You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Round 19 began with the Bulldogs shoring up their place in the eight. Essendon are on the outside looking in and destined to fall further as these games unfold. Today in the twilight at the Gab of the Brisbane Lions and Geelong and then tonight the top of the table clash at Adelaide Oval. Sold out Port Adelaide and Collingwood. It is very much on the horizon for our discussions. After we go through the big week of news for Repco Authorised Service for Expert Car Service you can rely on, book online at repcoservice.com. Luke Hodge and Dermot Brereton, Jared Waitley and Sam Edmonds is on the beats. What, what can you tell us about the Chief Executive's meeting, Sam? Oh, wasn't it curious? It, so much said in the couple of days down at Werribee Mansion there. It would have been amazing to be a fly on the wall down there. But we like to think we can get pretty close to it, Jared. So all the things discussed. I mean, they all wanted to know about the things like football, uh, department spending and soft caps and the like. A lot of fixture um, conversations well. Mid-season trade period discussed, all that sort of thing. But the bit that I was most tickled by, and I don't mind the 17 and 6, I'll keen to get your thoughts on, on that, um, Hodgie and Jared as well, um, was the best of three grand final topic came up yet again. Now, it was raised really? by it was raised by a uh, an interstate CEO or CEO of an interstate club, uh, it, I guess you would say informally over lunch, and then raised formally as one of the last agenda items uh, at the summit by another interstate-based CEO as well. Now, uh, quickly quickly shuffled off and a, and a number of CEOs as we know in this space have, have put their thoughts on this on record but uh, something that you would know the interstate clubs would love to get their hands on a best of three grand final series and uh, Hodgie you finished your career up there in Brisbane I'm, I'm not sure what Greg Swan did or didn't say up there but you've got a, a I guess a perspective on on what it means for interstate clubs to play in, in one-off grand finals at, at a venue that COVID aside doesn't change. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. You look at a, a lot of the times, um, if you're playing, speaking from experience, you look at West Coast versus Hawthorne in 215. They beat us on their home deck in the first final because they deserve the right to play, and then they have to come and play us on our home deck in a grand final. So you can understand where the interstate uh, CEOs are coming from. Um, would there be a best of three? Uh, I don't think that would, would suit, but I'm a big one. I know we've got a contract, what is it, Jared, for the next 57 years at the MCG. I can understand the argument to move the grand final around as they do in the, the NFL. Um, the biggest mm. thing for us here is just whether stadiums can withstand the amount of people as the, the MCG can get 100,000. We've got no other stadium in Australia that can hold that. So I understand that argument, but speak. Playing my last couple of years at an interstate club, I can see why there is a, a fair issue or concern from, from other CEOs. So you, the, you'd need yeah. to facilitate it, be able, capable of facilitating it at another stadium. But I can, there's a fair pushback to suggest that they're not, you know, with, if they have another draw. They, won't, they don't even want to do that, so why would they allow three grand finals? Mm. Yeah. And I think that was probably a good case study, wasn't it? That for the draw in 2010 when we came back, and forget the fact that it was a one-sided result, the appetite just wasn't there for the, for the replay. I mean, they struggled with uh, ticket sales. They still, the corporate support wasn't there. The, the, the anticipation build-up and all the fervour, that all the things we love about Grand Final wasn't there a week later. Um, I imagine you could, you could promote the first two Grand Finals wherever they may be. Very, very well. But how much planning and planning costs 
How much planning do you put into game three if the first two were done? Mm. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I mean, all those questions. I've got more questions than answers when it comes to that. The 17 and 6, though, Jared, with the, yeah, the so fixed. It was now, interesting the way that it was framed. So Andrew Dillon uh, said the AFL hasn't done the work on this, but what they wanted to ask was, was there an appetite in the room to go away and do it properly? Like, was there an appetite for fixture reform? We know the fixture is just fatally flawed, but there's sort of just this vague acceptance. And it turns out that there's enough... There are enough clubs who are now going, now the compromises are too extreme, and even though we derive enormous commercial benefit by rigging the draw, uh, for the notional integrity of the competition, it's worthy of the work being done and then presenting it to us. So that's the... And I'm really encouraged by that from the incoming CEO. This should be one of the big issues for the game, is to see if there is a fixture that represents something like competitive mm. balance rather than finance, while still maximising the commercial side of it. And it's not a new agenda item either. Well, it's been raised historically, maybe as, as far back as 2015, 2014, but it just, it, it, it's never gone anywhere. My question with it would be, though, when you get to, how would it look when you get to the six? So do you only play teams in your own group on the ladder or do you play teams outside your group? Yeah, so this the, is, so all that work will now begin because the very basic premise doesn't work. So I'm all for fixture reform. This particular, just the simplistic version of it doesn't work. The top six play each other. The middle six play each other for two places in the finals. And the bottom six are playing dead rubbers. So if the middle six only play each other, my immediate concern is, do they therefore bank the wins that the top six are going to have trouble doing, given the quality of opponent, and then therefore take the place of a team no. in the top so six? It, or you can only play like within this, your cap? But it's a lock-off. So yeah. the top six are the top six. Oh, so say ninth yeah, is as high as you can go. But if you okay. run the exercise, yeah. six would theoretically lose its last five games Could and slip. seven would theoretically win its next yeah. five games. So, so you'd happens? have this silly ladder where the team that finished six would be, pick me a number, um, yeah. 13 wins and the team that finished seventh would be 15 wins. And it just... So there's a logical flaw yep. in that. But as I say, that, that's only... The absolute simplistic version, do you want us to explore this? So it wouldn't be that. It couldn't be that. Because you can't have six teams playing dead rubbers for the remainder of the season. That's commercial suicide. It's hard to get uniform you know, opinion from 18 different CEOs in the room, and you can't get to them all. But it didn't sound as though the wild card perhaps got the, uh, the traction that I thought that it might have. It certainly doesn't have majority mm. support. Um, mm. But I think... The, the fixture reform might make that redundant anyway, mm. or it might actually get to the point where it makes where it's an essential trigger at the end. So now it's for sort of the cleverest minds, and the cleverest minds aren't all at headquarters. It feels to me like this is an opening up. All right, the cleverest minds should put their should put their thoughts together for an eighteen team competition, for a nineteen team competition, and for a future twenty team competition, and actually come up with. There'll be some. There'll be some brilliant ideas. There'll be some madcap ideas, and there might just in there somewhere be the mm. future structure of the competition. I like that they do it though. And Gil McLaughlin away and overseas at the moment. So this is a chance for for Andrew Dillon to to really put his stamp on things. And he's actually know, put 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 some guardrails up, hasn't mm. he? So if they want to progress this, he's put it back onto the clubs. Would you like us to explore mm. it? And yeah, so well, that's how ga- I mean, gather round came about because I mean we know they do it in the NRL and have done for a while, but of course they got the captains together, had a conversation. How how would you like to pre-season is a bit long, practice, like we're talking about practice games that aren't needed. Uh, and Hodgie, there was they wanted to play more home and away games, and that's how gather round came in. 
Sammy, what was the feedback? You said that wasn't the wild card or the plane wasn't, um, I guess, majority didn't like that. What was the feedback? Why didn't they like it? Uh, no, I don't. As I said, we, we, a lot of people are saying, oh, they broadcasters want it. It's not about that. It's about making it fair that uh, because of an uneven schedule, we want to give everyone an opportunity um, to, to play finals. What, what was their feedback? I can answer that one. Is there's the view that was expressed that after 23 games, mm. you've had your chance. So, but it hasn't. It still hasn't. I don't think been pitched right. It's still just a thought bubble. Is if you had wild card, it would change the structure. We would have a six with a line under it, and then we would have four wild card positions, which carried the WC all year. Mm. So, it, rather than so, the, I, I still think people are grappling with the idea. Well, ten teams go through. That's not it. Is your ladder would look like the top six with a line. The next four would have WC next to it, and you would either have another line and then the rest under that. And we, we're talking about how if you're, if you're good enough, you would have made your, your case after the first 23 rounds. With, we've got two teams. I spoke to you this week, um, Jared, and this is the reason why I've changed a little bit towards it is I've got Essendon sitting seventh. I've got GWS sitting tenth. Essendon play West Coast and North Melbourne twice. GWS don't play... West Coast or North Melbourne twice. So that's two. You take those two wins, those certain wins away from Essendon, they're on the same amount of points. GWS go in possibly with, with percentage. So this is what I'm saying that it gives those teams that because of the, if they don't have the luck of playing GWS, oh sorry, if they don't have the luck of playing North Melbourne or West Coast twice, the easy beat to the competition for this year, why should they miss out? Yeah. That, that, that's my argument. That's why I like, uh, 10 years ago I didn't like it, but now I've come to look at it and go, why should a team like GWS, who's got a new coach playing some really good football, probably playing better football than what Essendon are, but because of the unfair schedule, they miss out on a top eight. Give them a chance to play in against that team who had an easier draw. That's, that's logic, but it also feeds into a, another <laughs> logic question. Logic doesn't work in AFL, do yeah. <laughs> But it also feeds into another question. You just should not have teams that are as poorly performed in this elite competition as those two. You just shouldn't. If, if you've got an equitable system where you're capable of re-emergence after a short to middle-term period of time, those teams don't exist. I, I think that's inevitable, though. I think every if you go through all the years, we're going to have teams that are poor. And, and that's the thing, whether they've, they've done what... Well, we thought Hawthorne were going to be worse than what, what they are this year, but if you look at their list structure and they're building for the future, they're building for five years, not for this year. So they got rid of a lot of quality senior players to give these young guys a go. West Coast have been savaged by injury. That's, that's why they're in the situation they are. And North are going through that. They're probably the, the sole team we see. They're going through a genuine tough five-year rebuild. Um, I think if you look through the years, we've always had a team that, that has been at the bottom and, and trying to rebuild and get off. Uh, unfortunately, you have sure Luke, got a but, couple. But those two, the best football minds agree that they are in a world of hurt, the West Coast Eagles, and they ain't getting out of it anytime soon. And North Melbourne have been down at that end for quite a protracted period of time to the point where no team should be that low for that long. It affects your next generation of supporters. You grow up in a North Melbourne household, a kid that's born five years ago, he's probably, and, and mum and dad barrack for North Melbourne, he's probably not going to barrack for the Ruse. It affects everything if you keep if you allow a team to stay down that long well Br brisbane had 10 years of it and that the, the fans that they were getting to the, to, to the games was pretty much no one and then they changed that around so teams will get the the, the opportunity to change around it's just north are unfortunately going through that tough spot at the moment
Has Harley Reid's first real involvement with our mainstream football media been grossly unfair and desperately unsatisfactory? Not a great experience, you'd imagine. And, and I, I can only... I've never met the kid, never spoken to him, but listen to his manager, Nick Geeshan, obviously on with uh, Kane and Kingy on SEM Breakfast yesterday. Uh, maybe we should be thankful for the fact that the kid is uh, is resilient and said to be made of the sort of stuff that it, it might not affect him as, as, as much as others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not, not a great series of events um, when you when you're plastered all over the news for not wanting to go somewhere, if, as it would now appear to be the case, that has never been true. This is where I sit back go, you understand why clubs and managers and players are scared of the media. Because stop, this is a 17-year-old kid, hasn't been drafted yet, and his name's getting dragged through saying he doesn't want to go to West Coast. This is... This is why, when, when we all sit back and go, oh, it's a breath of fresh air to hear a football player be honest and, and say what they really think, it's because things get taken out of control. And I, when I first heard that, I thought, what's he doing? Why is he saying that? He needs to be smarter than that. And then you find out off, off his manager that it's totally untrue. You, you, you feel for him. And unfortunately, because we have so many people in the media and they want to break stories, they want to get it out, this is going to continue to happen. So you, you do you, you feel for the young fellow, and he's probably sitting back going, Jesus, is this what AFL's up for? Every time I'm in the media, whether it's true or not, it's going to get reported. One of the Thursdays which you are out of 360, I was doing it and he came on. A more likeable young man you're yet to meet. Mm. He, he's unaffected. He's a charming kid. He's got a touch of rogue in him. He's a little bit like you, Hodgie, when you were a better bloke back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. With you, Derm. Yeah, he's he's that country kid, you know. He's and he he was prepared to have a laugh and a dig back, and he was he was a really good lad. So you can see how some people might be able to make some of those answers malleable to the way that they want to contort them into something other than what was intended. And so I what think do that's, that's the hardest come. thing is that's, that's why we turn these young, lovable, energetic country guys who want to be open, who want to have a joke, we turn them into robots because mm. they'll say something, people take it the wrong way, and next thing it's plastered over the media, and then he gets taught by his manager, he gets taught by his family, friends, or himself, so well, I better be cautious of what I say now. Mm. What, do you think the, what do you think the lay of the land is, Sam, having listened to all that you've listened to, including Nick Geeshan yesterday? I think he's... And I'm only joining the dots here. I need to stress. I think his preference would be to stay in Victoria. Now, he's not from Melbourne, so we need to put that on record. And, and history would say that those kids are perhaps less affected by homesickness than others. And again, I'm generalising here. I need to acknowledge. So I think he'd prefer to stay here. Would he want to go to West Coast? Would it be, would it, would it be his first order of preference? No, probably not. But it sounds as though, and he, he is under the tutelage of a management company in Connor Sports who have many players there. There's many senior players there. The captain is there. So he'd be well looked after. We know that West Coast are a proud club. They're battling from a team perspective at the moment, but they're immensely well read. All the things we know about West Coast. So you'd be the development, all that absolutely spot on. He'd be in good hands there. So I think if he had his choice, who would want to go? But that's the, that's the nature of a draft. Who Most clubs who have the number one pick are clubs in turmoil. They're crying out for it. They've got the number one pick for a reason. So it probably wouldn't be his first choice, but I'm sure he'll happily go there. I can only help but think, if if, if I was in the department of the football... Uh, in the department of the football side of things at West Coast Eagles, I would want to maximise 
the intake of players at the top end. I oh, know I'm with you on that. Yeah, but that's a different question. So if I'm West yeah. Coast, I'm I'm not taking this is just my I'm not taking Harley Reid to pick one. Yeah. I'm trading pick one and I'm getting as many as you say. They yeah. did it last year with pick two. And there's some WA kids at the point in the draft, we're told. So you're trying to get multiple picks inside the first round, like we've seen Port Adelaide do with such great success. And many clubs in recent times can transform their whole fortune off the base of basis of one draft if they get it right. So Mark McGowan's done that. If the draft was held now, these would be the top 25 prospects. And there are three Western Australian kids at 4, 15 and 18. Yeah. So, so this is where... low. 15 and 18 are low. Like, I, I, I floated with Dermot last night. If I was West Coast, I would, I would want the three best kids in Western Australia, but I would want them but sort of But that's 15 on... The... I mean, they might not be 15 in West Coast, mind. They might be five in West no, Coast. No, that's mind. right. So it's all, it's all in the eye of the beholder, of course. As and we, it depends as we know. what type of player... They, so uh, Curtin's a mid, Edwards is a ruck, and mm. Fallstrup is a, a mid-forward. But they don't have to be, you know, today. I mean, they don't have to be West Australian kids, of course. You choose wisely. You, you, you get a kid who you know you're going you're to be able to keep long-term for the duration of, of his career, like West Coast have done. I mean, not many have come into that facility and left, citing homesickness. So I, I look at it and think that's maybe what West Coast would do. If they do trade pick one, that's where it gets so interesting because I, I can't see him going anywhere else other than Melbourne. I just think it's all set up for the Demons. The glut of picks they've got, the, the Fremantle picks in for Luke Jackson, that by virtue of the fact of Fremantle's shocking season are going to be high-end picks. If any club can satisfy West Coast in a trade, it's probably Melbourne, if they are of a mind. Actually, you know, Mark got an extra one in there. There's one at 17. So 4, 15, 17 and 18 are all WA kids. A mid, a ruck, a defender and a mid-forward. So you get the whole suite. And Spread. do you think, is there... Luke, is there worth in Alistair Clarkson coming back to the North job in round 21? Uh, if he if he feels comfortable, yes, I think it is. To, I think it's for one to to show the players, uh, the people that they're looking to bring into the football club, that the person who they've appointed as coach last year will be coaching next year, moving on to show that he's back and ready to to coach our football team. I think that's the main reason why he'll be coming back. First of all, he would have ticked the box to say that he's in a right frame of mind to go back and coach. But second, it would be to show the players, but also the people that are trying, they're trying to get into the club to say, hey, Clarko's back. He's going to be taking us from the first day of pre-season. He'll be there, sorry, from the first day of pre-season and he's going to coach you from then onwards. So he's obviously not coaching this weekend, we know that, and he won't go to Perth when they take on the Eagles in round 20 and then he'll assume responsibility in round 21. He went to four AFL games last weekend, so none, none of them of the North Melbourne uh, variety. He went to four AFL games and he went to an under-18s game as well. So certainly the appetite is there. I'm not sure he's even going to be at the North Melbourne game uh, here tomorrow, but again... He'll go around uh, the competition and watch as much as he possibly can. There were a few puzzled looks, though, inside uh, the facility at Arden Street when he did do that doorstop during the week. And he said, oh, you know, because the club did have a plan in place. They just hadn't publicised it. So then when uh, the coach comes out and says, well, you know, it's going to be later rather than sooner. And there is a chance it might not be until next year. There are a few people thinking, hang on. <laughs> Hence, therefore, 24 hours later, the statement comes out. The date's put in concrete because, uh, gee, the jungle drums were beating and the rumours were starting to get around, Jared. I think what what that does show is the fact that he's back out going to watch games of football. He was seen at the under-18 carnival um, as well. So it shows that his mindset is ready. He's focused for, for next year, looking at the, the potential draft picks that, that North Melbourne will, will have and the mm. fact that he's going around to watch, what did you say, Sam? It was at four games of football yeah. last weekend. So I think that, that shows a great sign. And if he's doing that, that he, he definitely must be close to, to preparing himself to get back into the coach's seat.
Yeah. Would Expect it not be prudent then for him to, in my opinion, um, if he's overviewing everything at this point in time, keep overviewing. Keep looking at the list from one out and one wide. Allow Brett to go through so the same voice is held through because that list has heard a chop and change of voices from head coach since since uh, last year. Several coaches, uh, Noble, um, caretaker coach, then, then Alistair, then Rats back to Alistair, all in the space of 12 months. I think... My preference, if I was in the, on that board, was to be would be to let Brett go through, let Alistair sit one out and one wide, observing everything. So the players know that they're on notice to next year's coach in round one. Still has the same hovering, <laughs> what they call them, helicopter mums, yeah, yep. <laughs> helicopter coach over the top, but it's not another upheaval. Derm, you, you know him. You know what he's like. He's a ball yeah. of energy when it comes to football. And when he talks yep. football, he's passionate about football. He's energetic about football. That's what they want to sell to those players. When he comes in at round 21, you've got a month of the coach. And when he comes in, he's going to be upbeat. He's going to be energetic. He's going to be talking about tactics and what we've improved and what we've done and what we're going to do in the preseason and what we're going to do going into next season. So I reckon that's their whole tactic is to get him in front of the players to show... We're moving forward, guys. What's happened this year, we've been up and down. We've had inconsistent voices telling us. But from round 21 onwards throughout the whole preseason, I'm your man. This is what I'm going to do. And that's, that's the reason why they're putting him in front of the players with a month of football. Before the end of the could season. they canvas the players, Luke? Could they, could they ask the Leeds, what do you think? Oh, I, that, 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 that would be a discussion. Clarko is not a person who would just sit back and not talk to, to the players. Everything he's done throughout his coaching at Hawthorne, he'd always had input with the leaders. Whether he listened fully or not was, was a different story. But he always spoke and made the players feel like we were a part of the decision moving forward. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I think it's at. I think he, he's trying to sell them. That, and you know, it's like, you know when you see a caretaker coach come in and there's energy and there's a new bit of fresh breath of fresh air, that could be that f- breath of fresh air with Kalako coming in with a month so that we can kickstart into the next year. He's Brett. exactly the same as every other coach in history, Jared. They always say, my door is open to everyone. Just come in and tell me what you think. You do that, unfortunately, they just don't absorb it. <laughs> <laughs> so Brett Radden's got two to go to try yep. to get a win in this job. It's, it's St Kilda, which has got a new edge to it, and then West Coast. It takes a, it takes a bit to get a rise out of Brett Radden, <laughs> uh, and Nick Revolt managed to do that. I can promise you now, the standards in that joint over the last however long have been subpar. And so when the president says we were, an up, we were kidding ourselves, we were a mile off it, you're not just talking about the win-loss. You're, you're talking about the actual talent you've got at your disposal and you're talking about the standards within the football club to, to allow that talent to outperform, which ha- hasn't happened. To be honest, like... Yeah, Nick's been to zero, really, at the footy club. The only time he came was for free physio. So, um, yeah, that's that's the only time he was at the club. So I don't know where he saw the standards piece. Oh, that was a good rebuttal. Oh, it was. A <laughs> that was a seriously yeah. good rebuttal. Because he's such a layback fellow. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So for him... And yeah. 
I don't know where Nick came He from. knows that Nick played a role in his demise as coach. Yeah. And so you can only you can only cop so much, I think. And he's copped a lot from yeah. St Kilda. And if I'm Brett Ratton, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, you played a role in my demise. I'm now trying to move on with my life and my career and you're still having a go at me? Come on. So, mm. yeah, quality over quantity in terms of the rebuttal, I would have thought, for Rats. It was big. I was staggered that Nick said that, and, and there wasn't even. Uh, I was kind of, when I heard about it before I uh, actually listened to the audio. I was saying, "Oh no, that has to be said in jest. There has to be some like little fun tale sting to that comment." But it wasn't. Great I was comeback. genuinely yeah. surprised. Yeah, that the, the he would like. I think he would like his time back on that joint. Mm. Uh, that that phrase was just too, and it's in a, a less than. Um, Less than formal podcasts. It's it's properly for public dissemination, but I think I think he and Joey are a bit. Oh right, that's oh, in no, the public po- domain. Podcasts are on the public record. Yeah. I mean, we were speaking about Harley Reid before. It came from a podcast. So podcasts are they're out, they're out there. All right, there's a bit to still work through, and then we're going to look into tonight's game. So the Gabba, the Brisbane Lions, and Geelong coming up in the twilight. Port Adelaide and Collingwood, which has an additional edge. It didn't need much more, but it's got some by-play as well. Top of the table clash just sold out Adelaide Oval. The news of the week for Repco Authorised Service. Penrite Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. You are listening to the Round 19 edition of Crunch Time. The Bulldogs have shored up their place in the eight. They've sent Essendon on the way out. There's a clear path in for the Giants if things go the right way for them. And then what's happening at the pointy end is all to unfold this Saturday of footy.